Welcome to the LYC Podcast. We are a youth community that believes in loving people and meeting them where they are. Our desire is that through this message, God's love for you is confirmed, your hope in Jesus is renewed, and your faith is awakened. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. We're going to read quite a few verses of scripture tonight. So if you didn't get your daily devotions in, uh, you can, I don't know if I should say this, but you can go ahead and check off that box after tonight. So you're going to read quite a bit of scripture. We're going to start off in Genesis chapter 2. And I imagine for many of us in here, this will be a familiar story that we're going to look at tonight. So this is Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 8. I'm reading out of the New King James Version Bible. It says this, The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Jump forward with me to Genesis chapter two. This is verses 15 through 17 now. It says, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden, the man being Adam of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Jumping forward again, Genesis chapter three, verse one through eight says this. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Last verse of scripture we're gonna read right now, verse 15. Chapter three says this. Genesis chapter three, verse 15 says, and this is God speaking. He says, and I will put enmity between you, you being the serpent and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Everyone breathe in, (sighs) breathe out. (sighs) That was a lot of scripture. The title of our talk tonight is this. It is the trees, the trap, and the truth. The trees, the trap, and the truth. I'm gonna go ahead and pray for us and ask God to speak to us in a fresh way tonight. Is that okay? Can we do that? God, we love you so much. We trust you. We thank you for who you are. God, I pray for every single young man, every single young woman in this room. God, I pray that every single person under the sound of my voice, God, their focus, God, would be shifted from their neighbor. It would be shifted from me. It would be shifted from what they're going home to, and it would be placed on you tonight, Lord Jesus. God, I pray that you would speak to us, continue to mold us and shape us into the men and women you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, everyone said 
Amen, amen. Has anyone in here ever experienced a moment and when that moment was over, the only thing you could think was what the heck just happened? Anyone, has ever happened to you before? Like you leave a moment and you're like, did that just really happen? Did that happen? Uh, I've had a lot of moments like that right here in this building, okay? Uh, one of them, I was in a meeting with Pastor Brandon. We were meeting with someone else. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the meeting, it was super spiritual. We were praying. It was incredible. It, probably not. We were probably talking about like golf or something like that. All of a sudden, outside the door, there was a giant crash and a thump. And then we heard screaming. And we were like, that's weird. What happened? And so we go out of the office and there's a broken window and there is blood all over the walls and there's people screaming, okay? Everybody's like, what the heck happened here at this church? So apparently when we were sitting in the office, a deer thought that there was no window there. But then the deer jumped and what was right there? A window. A deer jumped into the hallway and because it jumped through glass, it got cut on the glass. And so what did the deer do? The deer did not knock on the office door saying, excuse me, sir. I would like to find the exit of this church. Can you please help me? No, what did the deer do? The deer jumped through the window and went, oh my God, and it started running and bumping and jumping and went all the way around the welcome center and we had to like usher this deer out of the door and we spent the next six hours cleaning blood off the walls of the church building. It was the craziest communion service ever, okay? It was ridiculous, but it was amazing. I left that moment and I was like, what the heck just happened? Another time, I used to clean the church. So we used to come here late at night, and I used to clean the church. And by the way, churches are creepy at night. Can we just admit that? Churches are really creepy. If you're like, no, but it's like super not creepy. I'm like really brave. Okay, buddy. I want you to go in that sanctuary. I want you to grab a sleeping bag. Don't tell anybody I said to do this. And I want you to try to sleep there by yourself for one night. I have done it. Very scary. Okay? And so we used to clean overnight. So we were cleaning, and there's this little spot of the church. I'm not going to tell you where in case they're still there. But we had to clean this little area of the church. And in that area, we found some old relics, okay? Anyone, you ever like finding old things, like old collectibles? Yeah. We found a basket of BB guns in the church, okay? Oh, that's weird, Evan. You know, you think you'd find Bibles. You think you find communion wafers. No, we found guns in the attic. And so what did we do? Well, we were responsible. We were men of God. We would never do anything to disrespect the house of the Lord. No, I'm just kidding. We shot those things, okay? So it was like 1.30 in the morning, okay? Me and my friend Scott Haskell, I wish he was here tonight. We were in, um, God, this sounds actually awful. This sounds really, really bad. Um, we were in the top, like upper, like children's level of the church, and we were in the room, and they had the little sippy cups, and we were doing target practice with the sippy cups, okay? Not the baby sippy cups. Don't look at me like that. These were the paper cups, okay? And we were having so much fun. We were supposed to be vacuuming, cleaning, making sure that the house of the Lord was prepared for God's people. Instead, we were taking these old baby guns, and we were shooting cups with them. And then all of a sudden, at 1.30 in the morning, we heard a door open downstairs, okay? And we were like, oh, no this is our job. I'm about to not have a job because I'm not supposed to be shooting guns. I'm supposed to be cleaning the church, okay? And so we're shooting and all of a sudden we hear the door open. And how many people in here, you know Keisha Dover? Anybody you know Keisha Dover? Keisha Dover is one of my favorite people on planet earth. She's also really, really scared at nighttime and in the dark whenever she's alone. Someone had saw, like, seen the lights on in the church for longer than what was normal. And they called Keisha asking her to go check what was up. And so Keisha, she's like going up the stairs and she's like, 
that we open the door and we both mutually just start screaming. We're holding guns with sippy cups all over the ground and Keisha's there. She has like curlers in her hair, probably not. That would be hilarious though. And we leave that moment. I wake up in the morning and I call him and I'm like, what just happened last night? Because that was such a dumb decision on our part. And you think that after that moment, we would leave the BB guns alone and we never go back to them. Well, then we had another moment when we were cleaning the church and we were down here, we're trying to make sure the bathrooms were good to go. We were trying to make sure that everything was picked up. And then we saw the largest spider on planet earth sitting right there over that corner. Everyone turn your head, shift your focus right there. That corner right up to the door. Okay, we are cleaning, mind your own business. Yeah, it's on Kimberly's head right now. Can you guys see it? And so the spider is sitting there and we're over here and we're like, oh my gosh, we're gonna die. Okay? Because there's this giant spider. And so what do we do? Oh, Evan, you probably prayed. You probably fasted. Uh, you probably uh, called an exterminator. You probably did something responsible. No, we did not. We went outside. We went around and we got the BB guns. Okay? And so what we decided to do was because Goliath was sitting right over there and we were right over here, we decided to get the BB guns and we were down. We had it on the chairs and the BB guns and we were trying to kill the spider by shooting it with a BB gun. Mind you, I have been entrusted. I'm serving in youth ministry by this time. Brad, is this being recorded? Dang it. Okay, well, anyways, so I'm shooting. I'm trying to make sure I'm being responsible. I'm trying to make sure I'm doing all the right things, and we're shooting, and then, man, this just happens to me. This door opens. This wall used to not be here. This door opens, and who walks in? Pastor Gil Dearman, our senior pastor, and I'm sitting right here with a gun trying to shoot this man-eating spider to save our congregation, and he walks in, and he goes, what is going on here? And what does Pastor Gill do? He goes over, he scoops that thing up in his hands like the man that he is, and he throws it outside. And I'm like, I'm sorry, sir. What just happened? It's ridiculous. I've had so many moments in this building where I leave, and I'm like, what is happening here? Oh, gosh, I have so many more stories. But now that I know it's recorded, I need to change this a little bit. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Pastor Brandon knows most of these stories, I think. I don't know about you. Um, it's been a little bit since I came and preached and spoken at LYC and been with you guys. Um, you don't need me to tell you this, but our world is crazy right now. Can we just admit that a little bit? Can, can we just say that? Have you ever had any moment, instance over the past few months, few years, where you look around, maybe you're like me with the man-eating spider, Keisha walking up the stairs, or the bloody deer trying to get out of our church, and you're just looking around and you're like, what is going on here? I had that moment. A couple weeks ago, I was looking at everything that was going on in the news, and I was like, my goodness, God, what is happening? What is going on in our world right now? And God began to speak to me, and he began to show me that the Word of God, and I already shared this before, but it's important to remember that the Bible, God's Word, is not just a collection of stories about dead Middle Eastern guys. It's not. There's a lot of history. There's a lot of good advice. But what we need to see and recognize is that God's word is living and active and applicable for us today. And when it comes to looking at our world and looking at the craziness that's happening, because maybe for you, you're not really worried about what's going on in the news. You're worried about what's going on in your family. You're worried about what's going on with your friends. You're worried about what's going on whenever you go to school this coming fall. You're like, God, what is going on? I don't understand this. Why is everything so crazy? Why is there a bloody deer and a man-eating spider? What is going on? All of it. Both the answer to why things are crazy and the remedy, how we see restoration, can really be summed up in what we're talking about tonight. It's the trees, the trap, and the truth. I imagine most people in this room, you have at least somewhat heard 
about the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Is that true? Most people, you've heard that story. Maybe a little bit. Maybe you're like, oh, yeah, like they're like naked eating fruit, right? Yeah, like maybe that's all you know. That's okay. Fair enough. Essentially, God, he created the heavens and the earth. He did so just by speaking. God spoke and everything we see, feel, hear, and touch came into existence. He created Adam first and from Adam's rib, he created Eve. He created man and woman. He put them in a perfect environment. He gave them ownership. He gave them the freedom to eat from any tree in the garden with the exception of which one? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why do you make the snake? We're gonna talk about that. I'm excited to. Because you had to eat from any tree except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then we see this story, this trajectory that we walked through, and it outlines for us why our world is so crazy, but also how we can walk in freedom. Because hear me loud and clear, our world is crazy. The Bible actually promises that our world is gonna get crazier, but the Bible actually promises that because of the Holy Spirit in us, we can continue to walk in dominion and authority and in freedom and in power. Just because everything is crumbling around you doesn't mean that everything has to crumble inside you. And so what I wanna do tonight in the time we have remaining, I wanna do my best. Please give me some grace. I won't be able to touch on every single point, but I wanna give you a couple keys, a couple tools, maybe a different way of looking at scripture than you have before to understand why things are crazy, but how you can not just escape the crazy, but actually walk in freedom and walk out the purpose and the plan that God has for you. And the first thing that I wanna talk about is this. If you wanna throw it up, Brad, is I wanna talk about the trees, the trees. Two different trees are talked about in scripture. The first one is the tree of life. The second is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And as we've already read in scripture, there were two different things that would happen here. If you eat of the tree of life, what would happen? You would live forever. You'd have eternal life. If you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, this was the tree that God ultimately commanded they should not eat. Because by eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what were they then saying? They were saying that God is not God, but they are now God. What did the serpent say? He said, hey, no, 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 no. God's trying to trick you. No, if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, your eyes will be opened. You will be like God. The enemy was tempting them to take ownership and authority of their life, not into God's hands, but into their hands. I think there's this picture of following Jesus. How many people, you have at least one or two friends that make fun of you for following Jesus? Anybody, a few people? I definitely had them. How many people just think you're dumb for following Jesus? Yeah. One of the reasons that people think that you're dumb for following Jesus is because they think that you're looking around in this life and you think that everything about church, everything that's preached, communicated, everything that happens during worship is about you not worshiping the devil, not worshiping the devil. There's this idea that not following Jesus simply looks like you worshiping the devil. Can I tell you that the enemy doesn't really care about you worshiping him as long as you are worshiping you? The goal of the enemy is for you to take ownership of your life into your hands, not in God's hands, because when he can do that, you have already lost. Understand this, that whenever we are reading Genesis, 
it actually paints a picture for us for how God has called us to live today in 2022. Because every single day, hear me, you have the decision to eat from the tree of life or from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What I'm not saying is you have to wake up every day and get resaved. That is not what I'm saying. Romans chapter 10, verse nine and 10, and we'll talk about this in a few moments, says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's not what I'm saying. Many of us, we will be going to heaven when we die, but we will experience, and I'm so sorry if this is harsh language for you, but I just need to speak truth to you. It is possible to go to heaven when you die while living in hell here on earth. It's possible. Because salvation secures ultimately your destination, but it's ultimately up to you to wake up every day saying, Jesus, I surrender my life to you today. This is my challenge and my encouragement for you. And this is one of the reasons our world is so crazy is because our world loves to tell you to eat from this tree every single day. Have you noticed it? Every single day you wake up, hey, live your truth. What feels right? That's right. Hey, if you do this, you'll be like God. What are you saying? If you do this, you will have all power. You will have all authority. You will have your life in your hands. Hear me loud and clear. This message, your flesh is gonna hate it. You're gonna wanna punch me. You're gonna wanna throw a man-eating spider and a bloody deer at my face after this. I know it because I wanted to do it when I was writing it down, is your life is not your own. It's not. We were not called to wake up every day saying, I'm awesome, this is amazing, I'm gonna seize today by the horns and live life how I wanna live life. No, we're called to live every day just like this. God, whatever you want me to do today, God, I give this to you right now. God, I don't know what to do in this situation, but I'm choosing to trust you. Understand this, that eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, there's a lot of Christians who do this every day thinking that they are honoring God. Okay, I'm gonna serve God even better today. I'm gonna read my Bible every day. I'm gonna pray every day. Whenever Kimberly's singing, I'm gonna be like, Holy Spirit, you are so welcome here. And you're gonna be singing. You're gonna be passionate. You're gonna go to every camp, retreat, conference, laser tag, dodgeball, whatever event's here, you're gonna be here because as long as you're doing it, God is in it and life is gonna be better. Hear me loud and clear. You gotta let that out of your system. I'm not saying you don't do things to help you grow. Read God's word, pray, pray. Man, when Kimberly leads worship, like be there and be in it, but don't do it so that God will love you. Do it because God loves you. There are a lot of Christians that are living every single day saying, God, this is me, I'm taking this, and they are just as broken and just as bound as the devil-worshiping heathen that sits behind them in math class. Why? Because they are doing this by their own strength and by their own power. Why is our world so crazy? Because we have a foundation in our world of this is the tree that we should be eating from. Because what is the tree of life? It's the tree of surrender saying, I give my entire life to you today. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, man, that one's tempting. Why? Man, it's good for food, pleasant to the eyes, food desirable to make one wise. It's what you're not supposed to do. Anyone, you ever just want to do stuff you're not supposed to do because you're not supposed to do it? Like, that's what you want. But every day we need to make the decision, you know what? I'm not gonna choose suspicion. I'm not gonna choose struggling and striving and straining. I'm gonna choose surrender. 
So the first reason we look at our world and why it's so crazy is because we have been eating the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for too long. In other words, we have become the God of our own lives. You are a terrible God. You're an awful God. I'm just telling you that there's only one God. His name is God. He's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And only through surrender to him can we actually have life. It's the trees. But in the midst of the trees, and this happens to us every single day, and maybe you find yourself here, we can find ourselves stuck in what I'm calling the trap. The trap, if you want to throw on point number two. Second one is the trap. We have the trees, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We understand that Adam and Eve, they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And because they sinned originally, every single one of us, every man, woman, and child in this room, you are born separated from God. What? Yes, because of sin, you are not born into relationship with God. It must be a decision on your part to trust in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. We'll talk about that in a moment. But because we ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because we said, and catch this tonight, because we said, I want to be God, God said, okay. But we need to surrender and trust in the tree of life, which we'll talk about in a moment. But many of us, every single day, we find ourselves in the trap the trap. The trap, if you're in here tonight, if you're broken, I I heard Kimberly, she was praying and declaring that we would uh, see uh, freedom from depression, freedom from anxiety, freedom from the fear of what people think of us, freedom from difficult situations that we're facing. Can I tell you, I have experienced in my life and still experience in my life many of those things every single day. And what the enemy wants to do is he wants to get you stuck in that. And these are three things that he'll do to keep you stuck in that because he did them with Eve. The first one is isolation, is isolation. Brad, if you can, let's just look at this for a moment. If you could throw up Genesis chapter three, verse one again, I wanna look at this. God created Adam and Eve, but look at what we see here. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. The serpent is a representation. It's a foreshadowing of the enemy who is Satan. You asked me why was the serpent even there? Because love, if it's forced, isn't love at all. Love has to be a choice. If God just put you there and he was the only option, that's not love. That's abuse and that's slavery. God always wants to give us a chance to love. But now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Where was Adam? There's only two of them. Man and a woman naked eating fruit. What are they doing? Why is she over here with the serpent? Why was she separated? Why was she isolated? Why was she pulled away? Because this is always the first step of the trap. God wants to get you, excuse me, the enemy wants to get you alone and isolated. Man, if the past few years have shown us anything, it's that isolation and being alone for too long can be a really bad thing. How many people, you start thinking dumb thoughts when you're alone for too long? Anyone, you've been there before? All of a sudden, you start like becoming your video game. You're like now in Minecraft and you're a block and you're like, I am just going to, like we've been there before. When we're isolated, we start thinking crazy things because we don't have people speaking life into us. The trap, the reason why our world is so crazy, because even though we are connected all the time, we have never been more lonely and more isolated. How many people you have at least one friend that really struggles to keep a conversation going for like 30 seconds? Anyone? Like they don't even know how to talk anymore. 
Because if the enemy can get us isolated and he can keep us from talking, then he has already done most of what he needs to do to steal, to kill, and to destroy our life. The first thing he does is isolates us. If you want to throw up those three things again on point number two during the trap, the first thing he does is isolation. But then the next thing he does is interpretation. Remember what the serpent said to Eve. He didn't say, God didn't say that you can't eat from every tree of the garden. What did he say? He said, did God really say? Ugh. Did God really say that? Did God really say that you shouldn't sleep with your boyfriend? Did God really say that you should be kind to all people? Like even your little sister that you just want to punt across the football field? Like even them? Did God really say that we're supposed to go there for and make disciples of all the nations? What does the enemy do? The enemy just causes you to start asking questions about what God already said is firm. He tries to get you to interpret what God has already said differently. Maybe you've experienced that already in your life so far. We're like, ah. And I know following Jesus is important. I know that the word of God is a lamp to my feet. I know it's a light to my path, but I don't know. Like the interpretation of scripture, the Bible, I'm not really so sure that that is really true. I mean, there's a lot of people that were involved in the collection of scripture. There was some weird interpretations. Many of us, if we're not careful, not only can we get isolated, but we can start to allow our interpretation or we can start to allow the enemy to interpret the word of God for us. Hear me loud and clear tonight. This word, not just my book, you got it too. If you have the Bible app, if you have New King James, ESV, NIV, any of the versions, they're great. This word is final and it is true. That has to be true for you. Yeah, but Evan, I'm not so super sure about that. I was watching a YouTube video and in that YouTube video, this guy, really, really smart guy, um, he started like telling some really, really, really good points about why everything in this book is fake and not true. Can I just tell you, once you start getting in that zone of life, you're already in a bad place. Because this is your foundation. This is everything. I was talking to my man over here. He's a gymnast. He was telling me about balance beams and that crazy little table thing. I can't even do a somersault, so I didn't know half the things that he was saying. But if that balance beam has something wrong with it, what's he going to do? He's going to fall because he has a slippery and a not consistent foundation. Hear me loud and clear tonight. The enemy's gonna whisper in your ear for the rest of your life, did God really say that? And you have to be ready to say yes. Because if you're not ready to say yes, what will you do? Yeah, you start to assess the situation. Yeah, hey, keep it going. Um, <laughs> sorry. Because what we start doing, you'll start to assess the situation because if the enemy gets you to question what happens, you now become the interpreter. You now become the God of the situation. And it's now up to you to make the right decisions. How many people you've made at least one dumb decision today? Anybody? Anybody in the last two hours? You want to admit that? Yeah, me right here. I made some dumb decisions. I'm a terrible interpreter. The enemy wants to get you alone. He wants to get you to second guess what God said. Did God really say. Well, Eben, what did God say? You got to figure it out. Got to read it. 
We've got 66 books. God inspired about 44 different authors. There's a lot of gems in here. If you're like, Eben, every time I read about the Bible, it's talking about weird, like, split-hoofed animals and how we sacrifice them. I just want to, like, not be mean to my friends. What do I do? Start in the Gospel of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Go home and read John chapter 1 tonight and read it until God speaks um, speaks to you through it because God wants to speak to you through the Word. If it's in His Word, it's final. And whenever He can get you isolated, when he can get you to second guess what God has said, then what he'll do, he will make you infatuated with what you're looking at. What did Eve say? Let's look at it, just so you guys know I'm not lying to you. This is Genesis chapter three. If you could throw out verse one for me, Brad. Genesis chapter three. Go to verse two for me, please. Verse three. Try to make sure we find the right one. Verse four. I'm just testing you. Verse five. Verse six. Everybody now. All right. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, what? That it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. That tree looked good. Here's the misnomer when it comes to following Jesus and why things can be so frustrating and so confusing is because we think of sin and we think of icky, gross, bloody deer, massive spider, sin. But sin is awesome. Can we just admit that for a second? Sin feels good. Sin's like, man, this is awesome in the moment. But that's exactly, oh man, when you can get this, it helps you so much. Sin always feels good in the moment and leaves you wanting later, and oftentimes choosing to follow Jesus hurts in the moment, but it gives you everything you ever wanted on the back end. Infatuation gets you obsessed. You ever been obsessed with something before? Obsessed with a car? Obsessed with a guy or a girl? Obsessed with a sport? Obsessed with a video game? Man, once you're away from everybody else, like right now, if I were to leave right here, I'm over on the stage, I don't have any good advice from Mary Kaylin, from anybody, I'm over here, I'm separate. And all of a sudden, I have this little voice in my ear saying, man, did God really say you shouldn't completely destroy this drum set and this set piece and spray paint Brandon sucks S-U-X on the wall? Did he really say that? Oh, maybe he didn't. And then I start looking. I'm like, dang, I need to update these triangles. I need to do something that looks cooler. It's funny, but do you guys see the process that happens here? If it gets you alone, get you to second guess, and get you to focus on something that's not of him, I'm telling you, that's a trap, and it's a trap that people fall into every single day. What's going on in our world right now? We have a lot of really lonely people. We have a lot of really lonely people that are creating and shaping truths that are outside of the ultimate source of truth. Understand this, this is not a religion. Like, I'm not here for religion. I'm not religious. Very few people in my family are Christians and they say, I'm not religious. I'm like, hey, sweet, neither am I. I'm not at all. Moments becomes religion, I'm done, I'm out of here. I'm gonna go get a job like in accounting or graffitiing or something. I'm gonna do something different because that's not what this is about. This is not a religion. This is truth. This is it. This is truth. Evan, what about, this is my answer. It's this, it's this. This is truth. And when we build our life on it, it's consistent with what God said, but we have too many people that are creating and crafting truth that God never ordained or orchestrated. So we know about the trees. We know about the trap. I mean, you're really depressing when you speak. Like you talked about bloody deer and spiders and you made me laugh and maybe it's like really what I'm here. And then you started talking about traps and you started talking about graffiti and he said, Brandon sucks and I don't know what to do about that. Hear me. 
all of this, oh, even in Genesis, even in Genesis, we get a glimpse of the truth and we get a glimpse of the hope. The reason why we're here today, the reason that we can sing, the reason that we celebrate, what does it say in Genesis chapter three, verse 15? You have to catch this. This is so important. This is God talking to the serpent, which by the way, can you imagine being here in the moment? It'd be crazy. Genesis three fifteen. God is speaking to the serpent and he says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. What? Okay, what's going on here? Your seed. It's talking about lineage. It's talking about generations. It's talking about kids and her seed. Because Eve would have kids. You had Cain, you had Abel. If you remember, Cain killed Abel. They had another kid. The kid's name was Seth. If you follow the lineage and the genealogy, you should do this. Matthew chapter one or two, I believe. You can open up this later. You can see the genealogy from Seth all the way to Jesus. Ultimately, Eve would give birth to the child, who would help give birth to the child, to the child, to the child, to the child, who would ultimately lead to who? Lead to Jesus Christ. What does God say here? He says, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. What does that mean? Would you rather me kick you in the heel or kick you in the head? Let's illustrate this. No, we're not gonna do that. Would you rather me kick you in the head or the heel? The heel. What is this saying here? It's saying that the serpent, the seed of the woman who is Jesus Christ, Son of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, he will ultimately smash the head of the serpent even though the serpent would bruise his heel. What is it pointing to? Acts chapter 10, I believe it is. If you can look at it, you don't have to open there. This is quick. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 through 40. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Verse 39. And we were all witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Wait, what does it say? Whom they killed by hanging on a what? A tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly. Okay, Evan, what are you talking about here? You're talking about trees, bloody deer, massive spiders. I'm so confused. What's happening here? We have the trees. Adam and Eve, they ultimately chose from the wrong tree. They chose from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They ultimately were cast out of the Garden of Eden. That moment ultimately led to separation for all of humanity. There was an incomplete system. In order for you and I to have relationship with God after the Garden of Eden, there had to be a certain number of sacrifices in a certain way. You had to kill your little dog Scruffy in a certain way, cut him open, have the blood on the altar. It was gross. Was, yeah, not your dog, but other animals. And it was an incomplete system because there had to be a sacrifice. There had to be a shedding of blood in order for sins to be forgiven. Do you guys remember what Adam and Eve did after they realized and their eyes were opened? Do you remember the first thing that they did? They covered themselves in clothes. There would ultimately be, God would ultimately help to make a sacrifice and clothe them with animal skin. This is the first instance that we see of sacrifice. They were clothed with the skin. It was the beginning of sacrifice because that was God in his grace covering them because they knew they were naked. Can I tell you, God's grace is continuing to cover us now because Jesus, he comes to this earth. He lives the life that we could not live. He died the death that we deserved. He rose again on the third day. He was both the great high priest and the perfect sacrifice. You and I, nine 90% of the time, we are going to want to continue to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But God in his grace, in Jesus, he ultimately gives himself on the ultimate tree of life, which is the cross.
You and I can't do this on our own. The whole point of coming here on Wednesday nights is not striving and straining and trying to be a better Christian. The point of coming here on Wednesday nights is saying, hey, I don't have it together, do you? Nah, man, I suck at this. Sweet, Jesus, thank you. What is the truth? The truth is that, yeah, the serpent, it bruised Jesus' heel. Jesus died. Three days. Oh, man. But Jesus, he bruised the head of the serpent, crushed his head, defeated the enemy once and for all by conquering sin, took the sin, the shame of the entire world on his shoulders, conquered the grave. And now you and I, we no longer have to live forever in sin. We no longer have death as our destination. But when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we have life. We have life abundant. But the hope doesn't stop there. A lot of us, we know what I've just said. Like you've heard this before. You're like, all right, yes, we, cool, awesome. But we still have hope. Because I have life. Man, God has redeemed and restored so many areas of my life. I can't even tell you. It would take me way more Wednesday nights to tell you. But he's redeemed and restored, but we still have hope. We can still look forward to the tree of life. And this is where I close. And Kimberly, if you want to come up and play something sick. Revelation 22, one through three. It's toward the very end of scripture. It says this. And he showed me, this is God giving a vision to John. John, one of the apostles. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was what? What was it? Tell me. Tree of life. Which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. Hear me loud and clear tonight. We live in a broken world. Why do we live in a broken world? Because we have been eating and feeding off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for far too long. What's the trap? The enemy wants to get you alone. He wants to get you to question, and he wants to get you to focus and obsess over something you know is not a part of God's will. But the truth and the hope that was initiated right there in the Garden of Eden, fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ, ultimately points to us for our future because if you've placed your faith in Jesus, this, what we just talked about in Revelation 22, is your future. When you pass away from this earth, the Bible is very clear that to be absent from the body is to be present with God. If you've placed your faith in Jesus, we can now eat and receive from the tree of life every day. What did Jesus say in John 15? He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. When you place your faith in Jesus, you receive that life, the eternal life that only God can offer. But not only that, when you're in the middle of difficult dark, confusing situations, when you got bloody deer, giant spiders, and really confusing people around you every single day, you have the option to actually remember and to focus on the fact that this is your temporary home. This is not your permanent address. Anyone else think that's encouraging? Anyone at all? Like, I love, trust me, there's so much about this life that I love, that I'm thankful for. God is so good. Yay, amen. Like all of it, I'm for it. But there's a lot of part of life that is really, really hard. Really hard. And sometimes it's hard to have hope for the future. But as followers of Jesus, we can always have hope for the future because our future is an eternity in the presence of God in heaven where we are constantly receiving from the tree of life. The trees, the trap, and the truth. Don't forget this. 
When you hear people start going crazy, saying crazy things, you can be like, hey, wait a second. That's not what the, that's not what the word says. When you start to have the temptation to isolate yourself and be like, you know what? Forget OIC. They're all lame. I hate them. I'm going to go do my own church because I'm like, awesome. What? What are you talking about? Seek to be in community. Seek to receive from God. Seek to hear his word and to respond to his word and seek to focus on something. We hope you've been inspired by this word. To help awaken your faith on a regular basis, subscribe now so you can be alerted when we have a new message. Thank you so much for listening.